Hey guys, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers here at the Robertsdale Church of Christ. I just want to say thank you for checking out this message, and I'd like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030 if you're ever in the Robertsdale area. If you want to find out more information about the Robertsdale Church, head over to our website at robertsdalechurch.com. All right, let's get to the message. I'm praying that God will use this message to bless you and will help you grow closer to Jesus Christ. Good morning. So good to be with y'all this morning. When it comes to things that we believe in or things that we identify with, there are always these core beliefs that go along with our, with our faith and with the things that we believe in or the things that we identify with. So to demonstrate that, I'm going to have you guys help me identify a couple of groups of people. And so um, if I read off these descriptions of beliefs that people have, I'm, gonna, I'm sure you're going to have an image that comes to your mind. And let's see if we get to the same conclusion. So this is a person who believes that overnight kayaking trips and sleeping in a tent is fun and an adventure. The belief that providing food for your family means going hunting for a deer or going fishing. Also believe that being alone in the woods for hours and hours on end with no other human in sight sounds very peaceful. So you have an image of someone that came to your mind and it's probably something like this, an outdoorsman of some sort, someone who enjoys being out in creation, who is a hunter, a fisher. And so you have this picture of this individual who comes to your mind. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Burson believes that waking up early to work out um, is one of the most important parts of your day. Also believes that refraining from junk food and sweets is worth the sacrifice to maintain a healthy physique. I disagree with that one. It's worth it to me. Just eat the junk food and enjoy life. But you have an image that comes to my mind. It's probably someone like this, someone who's very fit, um, not, a, not a very high body fat count on them, that someone just works out a lot and is very, a very healthy person. So that might have been the image that came to your mind with someone with those beliefs. And here's another one. This person believes that you have... Your team has the best championship record in all of college football. You believe that your team has the best coach that has ever coached the sport. You believe that Tennessee is the worst team in all of history of sports combined. And so you got an image probably of somebody, and it's probably that, right? (laughs) Roll Tide. Roll Tide. (laughs) All right, here's another one. Last one for you. This person believes that despite having a losing record, you still have a chance of beating Alabama in the Iron Bowl. You also believe that having two mascots is better than just having one. And you also, you believe that a one second play is still relevant today. So this might be the person that probably comes to your mind when you think of those different beliefs. But whenever it comes to our faith, There are certain core beliefs, there's these tenets of our faith that shape our view of our, when we read God's word and in our faith. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to be spending some time discovering these different uh, essential beliefs in our faith. And so uh, there are 
uh, different beliefs that we believe that really shape the identity of us as Christians. And so what we want to do is we want to rediscover those because um, whenever the, the church was established, there was this message that was started. And it was passed among the, 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 uh, the people there. It first started with the Jews and eventually went to the Gentiles. And there was this word that was passed around. And they didn't have Bibles that they could hand out like we have today. And so there was this, there was this, this proclamation that was being brought to all of the people that were bringing people into Christ. And so we got to ask ourselves, what was this message that was being spread so like wildfire, spreading so quick among these people? And so we're going to discover what those proclamations were that, that, the, that the apostles uh, had established through Christ and that was spreading through the people. And whenever we discover that, we're going to find out the message that allowed that to spread so quickly. And it's interesting, whenever we read the Bible, um, you know, of course, they didn't have the, have the New Testament that they could hand out to people. But there was this thing that w- they kept referring to in Acts, and actually all of the New Testament, um, is they referred to it as the Word of God. And we see in Acts 12, 24, it says that the Word of God continued to flourish. Well, they weren't, again, they weren't passing out Bibles. What was this word of God? A lot of times when we think of the word of God, we think of our Bible. And of course, yes, God's word is in that. But they didn't have that at the time. And so, um, and so as they had this set of tenets, these, these different core beliefs that they had, that they were passing out, um, we read, in, even in the, after um, Acts, and after, you know, we see the spreading of the church, we see people always pointing back to that as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, where the author says, I remind you of the gospel I shared to you, and you received. So again, what is this proclamation? What is this gospel that was shared? And so that's what we're going to spend the next seven weeks doing. We're going to be unwrapping these seven essential beliefs of our faith. And so instead of just giving you one essential belief today, I'm actually going to give y'all a cheat. I'm going to give y'all all seven of them this morning. But we'll spend the next seven weeks unwrapping them. And so I just know the uh, anticipation you wouldn't be able to bear to know what the next one is. So I'm going to go and give those to you. And here are the seven essential beliefs to our faith. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe there is one God, Jesus. I believe in one body, the church, the bride of Christ. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the hope of a resurrection and everlasting life. And those are the core essentials to our beliefs. And just as the, the first century church spread this message to people, the thing is, this isn't supposed to be a complicated thing. In fact, the gospel is supposed to be very simple. It's supposed to be something that we can share with others and we can easily recall and remind ourselves and, be rem- and to remember. So whenever we are asked, what do you believe in? 
we have an answer. Because a lot of times when we are asked that question, there's a couple things that either happen. First off, we may be asked the question, so what do you believe? And what goes through your mind is goes, uh, what do I believe? And you kind of are put on the spot. And a lot of times when we do that, we kind of ramble on maybe something that comes to mind and it sounds good at the moment, but later on you're like, I don't really know if that was true. That's exactly what I believe. And so sometimes we kind of put ourselves in a tough spot there. Or on the, on the other hand is maybe we decide to just give them everything and try to lay out every little a detail to our faith. And we can soon overwhelm people with too much information and all these scriptures and um, our um, you know, traditions that we have. And all of a sudden, uh, you kind of lose people because you're just throwing information out at them. But the gospel is supposed to be simple. It is intended to be simple so we can share it with others. And so, but even still looking at that list, you may go, man, how do I remember? How can I recall that? That's still a lot of information, although I know we probably all agree. I hope that we all agree on all of those points. It's still a lot of information to recall. And so we're going to, I'm going to help you guys out a little bit this morning on how we can better recall um, these essential faiths. Okay, so I learned a new phrase getting ready for this lesson. And if I had heard it before, I totally forgot what it was, and, but I was reminded of this. And so, but there was this phrase that I heard, but as soon as I understood the explanation and what it was, it made sense to me. And I knew exactly what it was and realized that it has been in my life for a really long time. And so that phrase is mnemonic devices mnemonic devices. Maybe that's a word you've heard before. But mnemonic devices is actually, it's something that I have used since I was a child. I use today. And it's something that you have used ever since you were a child. And you continue to use these things on a daily basis. And this is what a mnemonic device is. It's basic, it's simply put that it is a learning technique that aids in information retention so you're holding in information and also aids in retrieval from that from our memory. And so there is a law or large variety of different ways that we use these mnemonic devices. And so a couple of those is song. We we learn our, our alphabet by singing the ABC song, right? We also learn the books of the Bible because we Sing the song. Even today, if, I, if someone were to ask me, hey, what are the books of the Bible? I would have to sing the song to you to recall all the books of the Bible. We also use that to learn the, the apostles. We learn the, um, the sons of Jacob. We use it all the time um, to, to remember and recall information. Another way that we use a mn- different mnemonic device is through acronyms or words or different phrases. And here are a couple of them. RADAR is actually an acronym which stands for Radio Detection and Ranging. LASER is actually an acronym as well. And what it stands for is light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. I'm really glad I don't have to say that every time I refer to a laser. I'm really glad they shorten that up. Another one is scuba, like scuba diving, which stands for self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. And I've got another one for you. Here we go. Sorry, I skipped a couple of slides. How do you pronounce this word? All right, so if you pronounce it like the peanut butter GIF, raise your hand. Oh, man. I'm sorry. 
sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with you. So if you think it is gif, raise your hand. Okay, majority of us believe that it is gif. For the ones that raised your hand thinking it's pronounced jif. Jif stands for graphics, graphics interchange format. And so I hate to break it to y'all, but I think it's pronounced gif. (laughs) Um, All right, so another way that we use um, mnemonic devices, uh, Roy G. Biv. Y'all remember that one to remember the, all the colors on the color scale. Another one is please excuse my dear Aunt Sally to remember the order of operation in algebra. Uh, and so we use a lot of different phrases. Um, we even use clumping information together, breaking up a large chunk of information into smaller parts so we can help remember. For instance, we do this with, with phone numbers. So for instance, like my phone number is 251 Six, five, six, none of your business. I'm just kidding. If you want my number, you come ask me or you can look it up on our church directory. But we use that even in our phone numbers to break up information so we can better, easily, more easily recall uh, information. We also use our hands in mnemonic device, has a, uni- a mnemonic device. So do you all know the trick with being able to tell which month ends and has 30 days and 31 days. So there's a way that you can use your knuckles to tell which months end on a 30 with on the 30th day or a 31st day. Um, that's a pretty neat trick. Also, whenever I was younger, had a hard time remembering my left from my right. So learned a trick so you could hold up your hands and whichever one makes an L, I know that's my left side. I'm still trying to figure out my right side, but we'll get there at some point, I'm sure. Um, you can um, even use multiple of these um, um, different techniques and stacking them together. There's one that we use with our kids where we use song and hand motions to, um, uh, to remember things. And I'm sure y'all will remember, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized in the water, rise up again to walk in Christ and live like you ought to. And so that is something that's going to be stuck in your mind forever because you're using multiples of these mnemonic devices to remember information. And so there is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Scott Adder. He's a professor of theology and Bible and uh, ministry at Harding University. And he realizes the effectiveness of these mnemonic devices and he's actually created one to assist in the memorization of essential, seven essentials to our faith. And he calls it the fingers of faith. And so as we go through this series, we're going to be introducing the different hand gestures um, for us to remember, be able to recall the seven essential uh, beliefs in our faith. And so you might be kind of thinking like, Dylan, this is kind of silly. This is kind of kiddish, a little, maybe a little bit immature. And I would say, yes, I agree with you. This is something for kids. And the fact is, we want our kids to be able to remember these things. And we want them to be able, we want our kids to be able to say, this is what I believe. And be able to teach that to them at a young age. And so, um, and we want to be able to, it to be so simple that we could go to our coworkers, we can go to our friends and our family, and it be something that we can easily recall as we live out our lives. And so I would agree with you on that statement. So another interesting thing as we go through this series is 
uh, Jesus actually realized the effectiveness of these mnemonic devices. In fact, he established two of them for us. We have it in our communion that we take every Sunday. We also have it in our baptism. Eric just finished an amazing series on baptism and where he went into not just the theology of baptism and the importance of it, but he also went into the theology behind baptism and what baptism represents and how it actually plays a part in us remembering the proclamation of our faith. And so we're going to spend time looking at how baptism and communion tie into our essential core beliefs and our faith as well. So the first gesture in our mnemonic device is this. Thumbs up. Y'all give me a thumbs up. And everybody, everybody give me a thumbs up. Okay, so Jesus is Lord. So whenever someone sends you a text message and you're agreeing with that information or you understood it and you've retained it, what's the, what's the emoji that you send? Thumbs up, right? So Jesus is Lord. We agree with that. That is established. So as a, as a believer in Christ, that is a very important part of believing in who Jesus is, that he is Lord. And so how does that tie into baptism? How does, how does believing that Jesus is Lord tie into even our baptism? So in our baptism ceremony, kind of what uh, the process of what we do, there's something really important that happens before we actually get into the baptistry and baptize someone. So we usually ask someone to come forward, and there's different ways that we do this. We either um, ask this in a specific question, or maybe we ask the person to actually um, declare uh, for themselves, and we ask them, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Or we ask, do you believe that um, Jesus is Lord? Or there's different ways that we verbalize that, but we're basically saying we are having someone declare that Jesus is Lord. And so having that as uh, the, the fundamental part and the, the first step of that is an important part of us before we um, continue on in, into the baptistry. So in Romans 10, 9, it says, because you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if we claim to be Christians, believing that he is Lord is a non-negotiable. That's something that we should have in our core of who he is, that Jesus is Lord. So a lot of us maybe were raised in the church, and that's something that's a phrase that we've heard for a really long time, that, um, that Jesus is Lord. And unfortunately, sometimes we, we, we fail to internalize that and really consider what that means for us in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 8, 6, it says, For us, and I got it on the screen here, For us there is only one God, and he is our Father. All things came from him, and we live for him. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things were made through him, and we also have life through him. And so Jesus was not someone who came after God. He's not someone who was created by God. He is God. He was there at the beginning, beginning of our time, beginning of creation, our creation. And so 
he's not just someone um, that is underneath God. He is God. And so we got to remember that. It's like he is the creator. He's the reason why we exist physically, but he's also the one who can give us life eternally as well. And so um, if that is true, if we really do believe who Jesus is, Jesus to being Lord, that should impact us significantly. That should change the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see other people, and the way that we treat others in the way that we treat ourselves in a great way. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I want to start off by focusing on that first part. Some of uh, other translations just that say um, in your hearts, knowing that Jesus is Lord, keeping that holy. And so that's just another way of, of saying that Christ the Lord. And so with that verse, I, I think another way that we can phrase that is holy is being set apart, is at the frontmost part of our hearts. And I think that if God intends us to remember, constantly remind ourselves and have it on our hearts and in our minds, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and constantly remind ourselves of that. Because whenever we do, whenever we allow ourselves to allow ourselves to focus on that, there's going to be something that's amazing that happens within us. We're going to have hope. We're going to have hope in a hopeless world. And it's going to stand out to people. And people are going to come and ask us about this hope that we have. And when they do, we should have an answer for the hope that we have. And hopefully by the end of this series, you can very quickly give them the reasons for your hope. And when we do that, of course, we want to do that with gentleness and respect. So we need to understand that... um, uh, that, so Jesus being our Lord is, is a holy thing that we need to, to uh, realize is very important in our lives. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of times he is not the one that is on the throne of our hearts and in the forefront of our hearts and in our minds. As we go through our lives, a lot of times we put other things on the thrones of our hearts. Sometimes we put ourselves on the throne of our heart and we treat people in a ways that will benefit us and we we cheat and we lie and we deceive to benefit ourselves and the way that we um, boast ourselves up in pride and we forget the humility of 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 who we are because of christ and so a lot of times we allow ourselves to be the king of our hearts oftentimes we allow work to be the king of our hearts and lord of our hearts and we allow our careers to dictate our our happiness dictate our schedules to the degree that we um, forget about god and worshiping him Um, we allow our identity to be found in our careers rather than in christ and who he is We also, oftentimes we found ourselves allowing entertainment to be the king of our hearts. And we allow ourselves to see things and to hear things that God never intended and wanted us to hear. And all of a sudden we have a 
um, an entertainment industry that is influencing us and pulling us further and further away from Christ, all in the name of entertainment. We oftentimes allow relationships to become the king of our hearts. I've seen it time and time again where we allow people to come into our hearts and we, um, you know, with individuals will come into our hearts and we will pour out to that person and uh, allow them to dictate the way that we act or the way that, um, the way that our moral standards, and there's a lot of different ways that uh, even relationships, we allow an individual to become the king of our hearts and can pull us away from Christ. The thing is, is like Satan is constantly at work trying to take Jesus off the throne of our hearts and deceive us. He can't physically do that, but deceive us and lie to us and help us to, um, you know, coerce us into putting other things in our hearts and being the, the ruler of our hearts. Because he knows if Jesus really is the king of our hearts, that there's going to be an amazing thing that happens like we just talked about. That we're going to have the hope of Jesus in our hearts. And we are in a world full of hopeless people, a world of, of people that don't know, um, you know, what tomorrow is going to hold, and that scares them. And so we as followers of Christ, when we have the hope of Jesus in our hearts, people are going to see that. And Pete, Satan is wanting us to, to keep us from being able to share the news of Jesus um, to others and bring him, them to him. So as we go through this study... And focus on the several essential, seven essentials of our faith. One thing I want to do is I want to encourage you to not just look at this as like a checklist for a Bible study of this is the things that we're going to do in our, that we have as our essential faiths. And this is kind of to prove a point or anything like that. Um, instead, I want us to go through this study and open our hearts, open our minds, and humbly evaluate ourselves. Have I allowed Jesus to be the Lord of my heart? Have I acknowledged the fact that he is Lord? And is that affecting the way that I live? And as we go through the other six essentials, I want you to do the same. I want you to see how is that essential faith? Am I living out the faith that I claim? And so the thing is, is whenever we can we learn, learn these seven essentials and we can apply it to our lives and live out the faith that we claim to have, that's going to be the best lesson you could ever give to someone. Rather than trying to tell them the things that they should believe, you can show them the things that you believe and in that it will change them as well. And so there are, um, so as we, we've talked about this morning, um, you know, there's a lot of ways that Satan is trying to deceive us because he knows that if we, if we follow these essential cores of our faith, then we're going to allow Christ to move in us and there's going to be a lot of amazing things that happen in our lives. But unfortunately, Satan does take control or Satan does um, distract us and keep us from allowing ourselves to live out our faith. And so maybe you've found yourself this morning realizing that, like, I haven't lived up to the things that I claim that I believe in. I haven't lived up and allowed Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And if that's you, today's the best day to make that change and to realize that if we give our lives to Christ and we allow that, that, that hope to reside in us because of our faith in Jesus— 
that we will be a light to our community. We'll be a light to our coworkers, our families, our friends. And we'll be able to bring, we'll bring people to Christ through that. Maybe if you've never made that decision to confess that Jesus is Lord and give yourself to him in baptism. And if you've never made that decision, but you want to this morning, man, we want to rejoice with you and celebrate that with you and help facilitate that for you this morning. But if there's any way that we can help you, we're going to have some elders up here. We're going to have some elders in the back. Um, It can be something that you can do where you're sitting as well. But there, I hope that there is a response in you at some point, in some way, this morning, whether it's coming forward and asking for prayers with the elders or maybe visiting with an elder in the back and asking prayers there or, or just talking to God uh, in, your, in your seats where you're at. And I hope there is a response. But as we close our time this morning, um, I just pray that we will allow ourselves to realize that Jesus is Lord and allow him to be the Lord of our hearts. So if you have any needs this morning, I encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing.